Well, actually, the answer is killing your babies. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're willing to just throw it in the trash. Like, that doesn't work. Goodbye. And move on. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And my guest today is the designer of the upcoming Ruins of Mars. Welcome to the show, Don Riddle. Hi, Jack. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And this is actually kind of interesting because we had a chance to very briefly meet in 2017 when I went to Dice Tower Con, back when I was just a, a, a burgeoning podcaster at the beginning of his journey, and you were pitching this game, which is now coming to Kickstarter here in September of 2019. Congratulations for getting picked up, man. Thank you very much. It's really wild that you were there at the start of this journey that uh, I have been with uh, with Andrew and Aetherus Games. Yeah, it's just crazy that you were right there when when I was first showing him the game. Yeah, it was an incredibly unique experience for me because I hadn't really gotten on the inside of the industry much. So I was mainly talking to the the game creators of any types from the perspective of the player. And that, that's still to a degree what I do. But I didn't have much exposure to really the the inside baseball of Kickstarter, of design communities, of blind playtesting, development, and pitching games. And lo and behold, I had become kind of friends with Andrew of Atheris Games, and we were hanging out. He was introducing me to a lot of people from the game design community down there. And then he was like, hey, you know, I have this really cool guy who's pitching this interesting game. We've been talking about it a little bit, and he wanted to show some iteration on that. Do you want to be there for that? And... I got to see it, and now it's coming to fruition. So let's talk about this, man. Andrew is great. You know, he's changed the name of his company from Aetherus Games to Aetherus Entertainment, and I think that really works because he is so good at connecting things, connecting people, and uh, he, he's just he's just constantly doing it. That was part of the reason why I wanted to get on board with him. He's a young guy. And, you know, I'm quite a bit older than uh, Andrew, and uh, I have to say that, like, uh, sometimes that makes me, you know, like, ah, just one of those old guys. I don't trust the young guys. They think they know what they're doing, but they don't know, you know, that kind of a thing. But honestly, my impressions right with Andrew right from the beginning, like this guy does know what he's doing. He knows what he wants. And he's got a lot of great ideas to, to make that happen. And so I was excited when uh, he did say that he wa he wanted to to make Runes of Mars really his first big game for his company. He, Aetherus had been doing like card games before that, um, but he wanted to grow Aetherus and uh He's doing it with my game, so we're both crossing our fingers that the Kickstarter does well because it, it will mean a, a lot for both of us. It'll, for me, it'll be um, really the first game with uh, my name on the box as a designer, and for him, like I said, it'll be the first big game for Aetherus, and it'll kind of show him, uh, sh you know, show the community that his company's ready to take that next step. Let's tell people about this thing. So Ruins of Mars, the name to me is very evocative. It conjures images of a historic civilization on Mars, whether that's extraterrestrial or whether that's post-colonization by humanity and then something happened. What is the theme here and why was that the theme for the mechanical structure that you made for this game? Well, you were right uh, in the former uh, that it's about um, ancient civilizations, uh, alien civilizations that were on Mars. Uh, the concept for it is that there was this uh, metropolis on Mars that was kind of a hub 
uh, a galactic hub, really, of several different uh, alien civilizations. And so um, there's not just one Martian civilization. This is uh, several different types, uh, kind of like a New York would be for humans. I'm I'm seeing this as more of a galactic hub. Of course, they're flying in from different places or whatever. But the, but the thing is that I thought was interesting uh, is that you're not going to meet any aliens in this game. They're all long dead. Um, all you see are, are the ruins, what they left behind. And this is discovered under the surface of Mars. And so different, uh, the characters you play have different reasons for being there. Uh, but basically, you're trying to learn about the culture and history uh, of uh, Mars. And we basically call that the languages. There's these five different languages that you're trying to learn. And as you learn the languages of these different civilizations, it gives you the ability to um, understand and replicate their technologies. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do is replicate their technologies by learning the languages and you know, scoring points and winning the game. I know that this game, the the primary feature, like if we were to distill it into like its most mechanical parts, we would call it a rondel game. And rondel games are are such a cool mechanic, but I I haven't really seen them penetrate into the 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 big mainstream as far as like what people expect when going to games and i'm wondering like did you start with a rondelle and built a game around it or did you start with the theme like what's the genesis of this i did start with the rondelle uh, what actually it's going back i was thinking about that thinking about the in preparation for this interview i was thinking about how did how did runes of mars start it started with a competition which I can't even remember because there's so many of these um, competitions, 18 card comp competitions. It oh, was yeah, one of, yeah. and I, so I was trying to build a little card game. And what I had built was this game where you put a card in the center table it has these four sides, and you, and then there were cards laid out around the four sides, and you would, they were represent you picking up paint pellets or paint drops, basically. You were, it was a, a game about painting, a, and you would pick them up by picking up these cards, and then you would replay the cards around that center card. So there are basically four places you could place the cards, and you would place them. I look at the game, by the way, as kind of a mixture of Rondell and Moncala, because the way you place the cards back out is you're moving gotcha. one to the next site, one to the next site. And so it really started with that game. I started building that game, and I actually have another game that is just, you know, we'll, made it, we'll never see the light, maybe. Uh, <laughs> is a, another kind of went off in this direction from that game. But then Runes of Mars kind of came off in this direction. So I increased the number of sites to five. And um, so then we get into the next level of how this uh, developed. Because I, I can't actually tell you where the theme came from except for my own just imagining and imagination and trying to think of different things. I didn't really, I don't really have a Genesis point for the theme for Runes of Mars, except that I started thinking about it as, okay, you, so you're trying to collect things. Um, and so I th started thinking, I don't know if you're familiar with the game of Thebes. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Thebes, you know, you're digging in the deserts. Uh, and I kind of started thinking about Thebes and how you collect things in Thebes. And, uh, it just kind of started growing from there. I started imagining ideas and start, and it, it went to space. And then I started, I wanted to use the symbols uh, to mean different things. And we'll get 
into that is what that means for the game uh, as we talk here. But um, and it just started. It just kind of started coming to me, and I started building a story in my head around it. It's, I mean, uh, while it is a space theme, um, I think it's a rather unique one. It you know I don't I don't know of a game that has kind of approached the the uh, like especially like my proudest thing about it is that it's a space game that has zero aliens, even though they exist. <laughs> There's no aliens, and you're not fighting anything. That you're not trying to trade with anything. You know, um, you're just trying to learn. This game is about learning. We actually thought about for a brief period about changing the theme uh, to a, a kind of a Babylonian idea, mm-hmm. a Library of Babylon or something uh, concept. But we stuck with. Uh, I'm glad, and I'm really glad we stuck with Ruins of Mars. But you know, we just had this idea because the game is so much about learning. When you saw the game back in 2017, uh, if I remember correctly, you saw the card version of it. So it was very similar to what I was talking about. There was a central place, and you laid down cards, and the cards would have different actions on them. And the sites would have these symbols, and so the symbols would interact with those cards. Depending on what symbol was at the site you placed the card at, um, you would get to do a certain thing. I had this revelation, not at the last Dice Tower, but the, the Dice Tower before that. We'd had There was a problem with the game in that it was taking... The players' turns would take way too long. There was too much AP, and it wasn't just for AP players. It was just very difficult to know what was the right thing to do at any moment because there were so many possibilities with the cards. And that's very interesting, but it was just dragging the game down. And so I had this inspiration. I said, what if... We put the actions that were on those cards onto the sites and the symbols that were on the sites onto the cards. And that's when the cards became these tiles. And that that was the answer. Like, Andrew, I talked about it with Andrew. I gave him this big thing. And, and I, I was like, please let me try this because he was very reticent. <laughs> he loved the game. He'd already signed the game as it was. But he knew there was this problem. I said, please let me try this. Um, I really think this is going to solve our issue. So I, I put together a, a prototype of my idea, and uh, it worked immediately. We knew right away that that was the way to go. And so that's kind of where the current iteration of the game comes from with these tiles that have the symbols on them. Um, and so that's, yeah, where Runes of Mars is at now. But it, So it just went to show that as a designer, like a big lesson there for me, is you really have to be willing to throw things away, turn them on their head, do what the game needs, not what you want necessarily, you know, if you right. want to make it work, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing because you become so attached. To, like both me and Andrew were very attached to cards. And even after we realized that the tiles worked, we were just like, what should we go back to the cards? Because it was so fun to have those actions. And there's so many things you can do with cards, you know. Um, but it just the game just flows now, and it just works. So uh, we stuck with the tiles, and we're, we're bringing it to Kickstarter now. We're committed. You mentioned that that was a big lesson for you as a designer. When did you get interested in game design? Years ago. I've been doing this a while. Um, and I, I, Magic the Gathering um, brought me to game design, actually. Uh. I got... I was playing Magic the Gathering for, I mean, I've played Magic the Gathering for, whatever, 30 years or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) almost as long as it's been around. And I, you know, became, I started developing cards for friends as almost in-jokes amongst other Magic players and stuff. But then I started to get into forums where people were doing that and designing their own cards. And I started to realize that I had my my own ideas about, um... The design of magic, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and and where it should go in the future, 
And then a, a funny thing happened. I don't know if you uh, follow Magic at all or was a Magic player uh, yourself. I got my Herloon Minotaur uh, signed artwork oh, right. behind yeah. me and uh, right. Elvish Archers <laughs> over here as yeah. a uh, nod to fellow Alaskan Anson Maddox, probably my favorite uh, artist oh, okay. from Magic. But um, yeah, I, I played probably since... I don't know. I, I think when I got in in earnest was around fourth edition, me and my older brother, and we played for a long, long time after that. And then since then, I follow it. Like, I, I kind of lurk on forums, and whenever uh, Mark Rosewater has something interesting to say, I always hop in there and, oh, okay, what's what's he saying about game design? You know, what's applicable about this to the wider gaming community? But uh, it, it's mainly just kind of a, a casual approach these days. I, I, I wouldn't classify myself as a serious magic player by any means i don't know if you're aware that at one point i can't remember what year it was um they did this competition where they said we're gonna hire a fan and so submit your resumes and they have to look like they said an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper you can use both sides and you can do whatever you want with it i've never heard of this but that's awesome yeah. And so uh, I, I, I built a little game uh, called Murr Battle. It was about Murrs, and it used, what it did was I put the board on this piece of paper, and then you had to use uh, nickels, uh, and pennies, and dimes as silver, copper, and uh, iron Murrs, and they would stack and everything. So was, I built this little game, and I put a little poetry, and then I put a couple of cards I had designed on it and stuff, and all this stuff. And I sent it off and crossed my fingers. And then I got an invitation to round two, and they had told me later that there was like 1,600 applications, and I was one of 400 that oh. made, so I made the 25% the cut. And then that was, they sent out, um, they sent out just some stuff. They wanted some feedback uh, and some, uh, just some points of, I don't know how much they want me to share about their process or whatever, but they just had some things where they want us to send some information, uh, some creative tests basically and right. i sent that back and then i got another call back i was one of four candidates for this job wow and i was like oh my gosh you know so the the last step was uh, a phone interview how's this interview going because that interview went awful <laughs> it was i knew it and i knew it while i was doing it i'm like why won't my mind work this is too important you know uh, so I blew it, but they also gave it to somebody, an artist that was already working for them, wow. um, as a painter. Um, if, if anybody knows Magic well, they could go back and they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Okay, uh, got okay. That job, got that job. And so that was a very big disappointment. But at the same time, that's when I knew. that The reason I brought this story up, because that is when I knew I was doing another job in radio at the time in, in, in Oregon, and I was just like, I, could, I couldn't be interested in that job anymore. I was like, I knew I wanted to be in game design. I knew that's where I wanted. Like, I had said in my mind so much that I was going to do this that, like, I couldn't just erase it from my mind. Like, I just, I knew I wanted to do game design. So from then, I started designing my own little card games, basically, little versions of card games. But then that's, as I got more into the, the realm of uh, hobby gaming, I started to... Um, Learn more, and I think that's another uh, thing that uh, designers could definitely 
but you know, budding designers should do is play more games, play more types of games, play games that do things that you don't, you haven't done before. Um, that teaches you so many lessons about game design um, just by broadening your horizons that way. And so I started broadening my horizons and started wanting to develop. And so actually, I started to really want um, to build games that I hadn't, that I didn't see. Like I. I'm very interested in not just doing uh, rehashes of deck building stuff. I like deck building, and I have built deck building games, but even when I've built deck building games, I try to make sure that they have some sort of mechanical aspect that is different from anything else I've seen. Because um, I just feel like there's no room, especially, and I, I feel like more right every year, that there's just no room for the same. Like, you have to be different now. There's so much competition out there. Kickstarter and social media has blown the doors wide open. Um, and that's that's a good thing. I'm not really, I'm not complaining because that has helped me as well, you know. And hopefully it will help Runes of Mars, you know. Um, but I think that because of that, it just makes your job as a designer um, that, more, that much more difficult because you really have to do something that uh, you stand out with, you know. Yeah, well, one of the things that I've noticed and I, I've realized time and time again as I've done more interviews, I play more games, is that one thing that many people underestimate when they're first getting into game design is the number of people that are designing games and publishing games, but also working on games that are in contests online and like you said 18 card contests nine card contests mint tin contests you know there there's so many areas in which game designers gather and while that does create a lot of competition that also creates a huge amount of resources that you can draw on so much experience from other people whether it's on BGG or it's on Reddit or it's on Twitter. Twitter is huge for game design, but also I've seen a lot of local communities and that was really eye-opening when I got to meet many of the people down there in Orlando. So why don't you tell me about like your own integration into the Orlando design community and what that is like and what it means to you? Well, I have to say that the Orlando design community is fantastic. It's got a lot of great people. I mean, I have to say, in general, the gaming population is pretty incredible. I think we're pretty lucky to be in a hobby that has uh, a pretty incredible uh, broad base of decent people. Um, <laughs> and uh, Orlando's no and, and Orlando's no no surprise there. They're a bunch of great people, um, and there's a lot of talent. Uh, I have learned a lot through going there, and and the thing is, is um, that what you said about be, the resources is just ex exactly right on having the resources of intelligent, creative people to play test your game um, is so valuable. You know, because I can play my game against my nephew and beat him every time and think my game is great, and then I come and get it ripped apart and shredded apart. But that's so helpful because that's reality. And that's what's really going to happen if I try to release the game in that state, you know. But I'm a little outside of Orlando myself, so I can't always make it there as often as I would. I would definitely, uh, if you're in, a, if anybody listening is in Orlando, go to the playtesting groups if you have any interest in design, even if you don't bring a game with you. Just go and test their games and listen to how they give feedback. Listen to how they give feedback, see what they feel is constructive, um, you know, and that's there's a lot to be learned there just to hear how designers talk about design.
Well, I don't want to spend all my time talking about the the design community and history, even though I find these things fascinating. I know that there's going to be a lot of people who are listening to this who are in particular interested in ruins of Mars. So we can get back to a few questions on that. One of the things that I've noticed as a trend over the last couple of years is that solo gaming has become more and more popular. And I believe that in the state that I've seen Ruins of Mars, it doesn't have a, a solo component right now. Is that something that Atheris and you are exploring for the game? Let's just say that if the people really want it, the people want <laughs> <said> it. <laughs> That's as much as I can say right now. Um, yeah, of course. We'd love for uh, Runes of Mars to have a, a solo mode. We know that a lot of people um, really appreciate that. I think it's possible, um, but uh, we kind of have to see how the campaign goes. For sure, for sure. And when you are thinking about this game from your perspective, not as a designer, but as a player, like what is the, the killer feature about this game that you think makes it really uniquely special that, that you think stands out so much uh, among all of these other games? You know, the thing that if you had no relationship to Ruins of Mars, that you would play that and go, huh, that's clever. Well, I think it's the the tiles um, that are at the sites that, that use this that you use through this uh, Rondell Mancala thing. Um, what's interesting about them is each of these tiles has two icons on it. Those icons, though, serve dual purposes. When you use them, you can choose to use them depending on the site you go to to learn the language, or the same icon can be used to collect a resource. And so that tension between where, what you want to push on and what you feel you need to push on this turn to set up your next turn, knowing that those tiles are going to shift, for me, that's the interesting part of the game. That's, that's what pulls you in is uh, just that tension between, okay, what am I using that for this turn? The idea that the same tile can be used for radically different things in the game. Um, that's the, uh, that's, uh, I think what will pull people into it. And you mentioned earlier that the change from the tiles to the cards, cards to the tiles was a, a like really substantial evolution in the game. Like that was the moment where it all clicked together. And were there any other substantial hurdles that you had during the development of this game or did it come together otherwise fairly easily? I mean, it's gone through a lot of changes in fact, there was a third version of the game um, that changed things in yet another direction, um, but we stuck with version two. Um, and uh, so, so I, I guess as a designer, I'm like, I'm an artist in that way where you never feel something's finished. And so <laughs> if you have a really close relationship with your publisher, like I do with Andrew, uh, and they're going to let you get away with constantly fiddling, then you're going to be constantly fiddling. So finally, you know, Andrew put his foot down. He said, okay, no more fiddling. Right. This is the game I, 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 I bought from you. This is the game we're publishing. You know, of course, we did development to make sure that that is the best game it could be as well. Um, but uh, that's the thing. Yeah, so that's the big one was the change from cards to tiles. Um, but there's been, you know, we've done all kinds of fixes and changes and tweaks to this game uh, over the last couple of years we've been dealing with it. And uh, it was just the, the moment was right. We knew it was ready. 
Uh, and uh, the, I mean, I don't know. You've seen some of the work artwork uh, Andrew's got for it. It looks fantastic. Oh, dude, um, yeah, yeah. I'm super excited. I mean, like I said, this is the first name with uh, first box with my name on it, and it's beautiful. So that's like awesome. You know, I'm super stoked. Do you think that uh, as a designer that there, there's a particular skill that if you were talking to someone else who was just working on their first design, they wanted to get involved into the community, like one skill that you would advise someone to really hone based off of your experience of working on game design and iterating and pitching and working on games up until this point, something that you wish maybe you would have been able to prepare yourself in a little bit better. Well, actually, the answer is killing your babies. Like, <laughs> yeah. you have to be willing to just throw it in the trash. Like, that doesn't work. Goodbye. And move on. But that's not something you can really tell somebody and they can say, thank you. I'm going to do that. Right. It's just something you have to learn. And it, it, and But knowing that it's there, knowing that that's what you, you kind of have to shoot for, I do think it is good to hear. It may take you a while to get there, but it is good to hear because you really have to be able – that's a – big thing I see with uh, designers with less experience than me when they bring a game to you and they're so attached to something that isn't working. It's like you have to let it go. And like sometimes the thing is working. Here's the really uh, tricky point is sometimes that thing is working, but not in that game. It doesn't. Yeah. Like yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. idea. Bravo. But this whole thing does not work. You're going to have to take that out, save it for later, and do something to this game or toss that game and work on and something new around that idea. You know, So being able to just really scrap stuff and move on, that is a tough thing to do. I mean, for anybody, for any kind of artist even. you know. Um, but I think that's where I see new designers struggling with the most. They're getting so attached. To, I mean, you see some of these guys, they'll spend five years and $50,000 trying to get some idea to market, and it never worked. And they just didn't... You know, playtesting is a big part of that. Take it outside your family, your friends. you got to get random people. Smart jerks. That's who you want <laughs> to, to playtest your game is smart jerks like me that will just tear it apart, tell you what's wrong with it, tell you what they hate about it. Um, and I'm not saying you should take all of that and say, okay, that's all wrong. But they will give you the seeds that will allow you to go, you know, they were wrong about this, they were wrong about this, but they were really right about that, you know, and really kind of help you hone in on how to get your game to perfection. Because another thing I would say that took me a while as a designer to learn is how important it is, and this sounds so funny to say, how important it is that your game is fun. Yeah, like, yeah, man. Look that. Yeah, your game makes sense, but it's not fun. That can be a really tough thing. Finding the fun in a design is actually probably the most difficult thing I've had to do. I can do the math. I can do new ideas. But making sure they're fun, that is tricky. That is really tricky. And designing, uh, playtesting your game will help you understand what's fun about your game and be able to focus on that. that and that's a, that's a really critical thing. Well, I think that is really sound advice, and I can't wait to see the final result of Ruins of Mars. So anyone who is watching this as a video on YouTube, I'll have a link in the show notes, which I'll also do for the podcast, to the Kickstarter. Don, I can't wait to talk to you about all the projects you have on the horizon. Good luck with the Kickstarter, man. Thanks a lot, Jack. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website CardboardHerald.com. 
Our content is audience supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.